Good afternoon, we are back. My name is Dave Matthews. And my name is Nick Madden. And welcome to Footy from Across the Pond. This is now our 11th episode. I like that. Our third in the new season. Um, Nick, how has your week been? My week's been fantastic, except for it was raining today. How about yours? It, it was better than last week, to say the least. This week was uh, more positive. <laughs> right, well, um, I think I'm going to start. As um, many of you know, myself and Dave are um, US-based um, soccer coaches, so I just want to lead with my first thing. Every coaching manual you read at the moment, you, we're reading about defending, coaching our teams how to defend. Um, when the... When the left back goes up, it's really important for the centre half to sweep in and cover the holes, don't you think? Yes. <laughs> I just thought I'd catch Dave off guard with that one. Uh, she did. Uh, <laughs> what is your what's your favourite chocolate? Um probably Cadbury's. Really? Because Wayne Bridges' girlfriend likes Terry's apparently. Oh <laughs> and did um did you hear about um Ashley Cole? He's um breaking driving laws again. Was, again, again, Ashley. Yeah, so he was driving a hundred in um the thirty mile zone. A hundred in the thirty mile zone? Why? Um, because he saw that um he got phone calls saying that John Terry was parked outside his house. <laughs> <laughs> not good, Terry, not good. Not good, John. Okay, JT has made the headlines last Sunday. It was revealed well. Yeah, it was revealed that he had been having an affair with a ex-Chelsea teammate. Uh, we're going to say it's Wayne Bridge. Everyone knows who it is. Um, Wayne Bridge's ex-girlfriend. And he's now been sacked as England captain, as of today, after a meeting with Fabio Capello. Um, Rio Ferdinand is replacing him. Uh, I, I think that's been confirmed. Where do you think this leaves England right in this current situation is this going to make it awkward for John Terry to continue to play for England let alone not be the captain um, I think that he's so he's like Mr England at the moment he wears his free lines like on his like sleeve like Part everywhere on his sleeve yeah he so. does he, he loves England so I think it's going to be easy for him still to play I think it's going to be a little readjustment for to play under a new captain but for England as a whole I don't think the Wayne Bridge has had a good season anyway, so he probably won't even be in the squad. He's already been overlooked a couple of times by Stephen Warnock, so mm. you know, and they're even, you know, they even they were even touting Kieran Gibbs before he got injured with his metatarsal injury. So you never know; it's, it might not affect England as much as all the media in England really thinks it will. Mm. Obviously, for us, it's very difficult to understand exactly the kind of coverage this, this is getting because obviously over here in the uh, US, it hasn't been mentioned in any shape or form. It has been mentioned on your favourite show the other day. They were talking about NFL stuff. And remember, the John Terry saga yeah, came up. It, and, you actually, were, did, and you said yeah. to me, oh my God, this is even getting publicised in the US. It, well, it did make a, a brief snippet That's... on one of the ESPN uh, sports shows. Do you think that John Terry was wrong in allow in basically allowing the decision to go down to Fabio Capello. Do you think he should have been man enough to actually resign before being sacked as captain, which is the way it's been put today? Um yeah, I think that um I think that he should have probably walked away to keep his pride. But um we're gonna mention it anyway, like other podcasts and the football ramble, like Lukey on that said clearly he was just like, you know, I don't actually want him to walk away because then it's gonna look like he's the big man in this situation. And he's like going to be seen as the good doing the good thing from walking away from it. He wants to be seen in John Terry getting 
the bad treatment by Fabio Campello. But I think it's a good thing that um, you know Fabio Campello has made his decision quickly, otherwise everybody would have gone crazy. I don't know if it's the right decision to be honest, but I don't. I don't want to tread on awkward ground here, but was David Beckham captain of England at the time when he had some personal issues in his life? Yeah, I think he was. Did he resign as England captain? No. Did it? You know, my my mum, I remember when I had a phone call with my mum, I think it was late last week, or early this week, when this all started to come about, and she said, oh, he should be sacked. And my reaction quickly was, did this, was the same sort of reaction when David Beckham had his personal issues uh, back in then days. And I'm not sure if they, if the timelines actually, if they are actually at the same time when he was England captain, but John Terry seems to be getting a lot of unfair stick because... Obviously, yes, he is a very high-profile uh, personality in our country. But let's be quite frank, this isn't a one-off uh, occasion. I think there's many people across the world who go through these sort of issues. And obviously, I know John Terry needs to um, uphold his reputation as a role model, if that's what he's seen as. But it just seems that there's a bit of an overreaction towards this because I am not saying... I'm not you know, saying anything bad about the reporters reporting this, but the odds are there's at least one reporter who's reporting this and trying to um, discriminate John Terry the way they are who may have done something bad in their life that may relate around relationships. But it's hard, and I guess this has been the right decision, but it probably hasn't been dealt in the right way. I think the only reason why um, it's been made such a big scale of it is probably with the fact that they were teammates and they they probably will play together in the World Cup. I think everybody's making a massive deal of it because they're thinking, this is Fabio Capello, this is our time for England. Again, English fans are being like, we're going to win the World Cup. You know, we've just had the brilliant, um, like the qualifying like um, championships that's really gone well, won a load of games under Capello. We could do this. So I think that... That's why it's like they're making even more of a bigger deal out of it. But and morally, it's not the right thing to do, especially when Wayne Bridges' like son is involved, mm. which is that's even worse from a moral standpoint. From a footballing standpoint, I don't know how it's going to affect the harmony of the team. Hopefully, it won't affect it too badly. But I don't know if it's the right decision to say, right, you're not captain of England anymore because of this. Like, I'm, but there's probably other factors in it. Oh, definitely. I'm sure there is. Like John Terry's not a saint. Well, he's but, not. But um, none, probably was, not many of the soccer players might not be saints. I was about to get yeah. onto this point because if you speak to the larger population of English football, uh, they would probably say that John Terry wasn't the right person to be captain anyway because he's not the most popular player no. in England uh, after certain things that have happened. Again, off the field, he has had a few off the field issues in his life. Uh, a few years ago, he was involved in some betting scandals where he was seen entering bookies, spending a rather large amount of money. Well, um, even Chelsea were on tour in the USA, and um, he was running around naked on the on the like night of um, I think it was like nine eleven or something. Mm. I mean, I mean, also he was allegedly offering tours around the Chelsea training ground for. for for large sums of money. So, yeah. John his, Terry is far from perfect. And his demeanour on the field as well. You know, he's always cheating on the field. He's always handling the ball in the box. He's forever shouting at the referee, which Fabio Capello 
has already told his players not to do, yet he's the one that does it the most. Him and Wayne Rooney are up, up the top, where they are constantly barking at the referees still. Hmm. So Okay, let, let's get away from John, because we could go on about John Terry and trying to discriminate him even more. Rio Ferdinand, is this the right choice to replace him, considering Rio's current injuries and form? Is this the right decision, or do you think we could have maybe looked down the younger route, i.e. Wayne Rooney? Um, I think that um, there's too much pressure on Wayne Rooney's shoulders to make him captain, especially on the massive season he's having in Manchester United. He's mm. performing ridiculously better than any other season he's had. Um, now he's not under the limelight of um, Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, so he wouldn't be a choice. Gerard maybe, but Liverpool aren't doing too well underneath his guidance as captain, so maybe you've got to consider that. Um, Ferdinand hasn't played hardly all season. Now he's just got a four-game ban for hitting out a, a player, something that surely Fabio Capello must have looked at before making the, that, mm. at least this decision. And um, Well, it seems that Rio was the vice-captain, so it, it's basically gone. He's now gone up the pecking order as yeah. captain. And it hasn't been a new decision as, that's been made. Yeah, and Gerard's gone as vice-captain. One name that was mentioned about a potential uh, candidate, which we haven't spoke about yet, is Gareth Barry, because he's probably one player in the whole squad right now that will be starting... Regardless, he's one of those players that seems to have established himself as one of the key members of that midfield. And it's surprising he didn't get many mentions because he was a, a very long-serving captain at Aston Villa. And uh, am I right in thinking he's been captain of Man City a few times this season? Um, I don't know if he's been captain. Probably a couple Probably of times. Has. I think he has um, put on the armband a couple of times. Just yeah, yeah. Since, since like Richard, Richard Dunn left, mm. Finney needed to fill the void. Well, I personally think Danny Butterfield should be the New England captain, but that's not <laughs> Anyway, uh, we are now going to turn our attentions towards the big game that took place on Sunday at the Emirates. This was seen as a bit of a crunch game, especially for Arsenal. They lost 3-1. Is that it now for them this season um, in terms of the Premiership? I want to say no. In, in my heart, I definitely want to say no. In my head, I'm still a bit dubious. Like, I think there was some shocking statistic that um, is it out of like 30 points they could have claimed for um, like, or they've had like games against the yeah. I mean, it's games against, games uh, against United, big, Chelsea, and probably Liverpool as well. They haven't been picking up a lot. Yeah, of they haven't, and that's you know they say this the title isn't winning like won and lost in them games, but if you're constantly losing them games and you're not picking up full points in the games that you should win you know I, don't, I think that every time um, Arsenal lose they always think oh like Wenger's done this wrong Wenger's done that wrong mm. it's not like, like Arsenal like and they're still pinpointing the fact that he hasn't brought in a replacement for Van Persie yeah, and well, that he was relying on him whole, mm. the whole season I just want to throw an idea out, out there that you may get what I'm hinting at Chelsea John Terry, Frank Lampard, Man United, Wayne Rooney, Paul Scholes, Rio Ferdinand, even Liverpool, Jamie Carragher, Steven Gerrard, Arsenal, Cesc Fabregas and Eduardo. They are lacking an English core in their team. Is it now the time where Arsene Wenger has to start looking seriously at bringing in some more established English Premiership players into the club? Because right now they look as far away as ever from winning that title and I just get the feeling that we always talk about their lack of experience <laughs> is it more down to their lack of English experience in their team 
because they bring in all these fantastic foreign players like Andre Arshavan and um, Thomas Vermaelen. But one thing they have never done them players before they put on the Arsenal shirt is played in the Premiership. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think um, the young players that have been coming through the ranks, you know, you look at um, Alex Song, for instance, um, Gail Clichy, you know, these are players that um, they were bought so young that they were able like, to be moulded into the, them players. You know, so they were able to be moulded into an English style, mm. like from a very early age. You talk about Arshavin, he came in, he was he's quite relatively old compared to the rest of the players. Um, Eduardo, the same, he didn't really play. In the, and Vermaelen, they're relatively old and they haven't played mm. in the Premier League before. I think it's right to say so that the, the top teams, especially United and Chelsea, there is a real English core in, in their team. Yeah, obviously Chelsea got Drogba, but their main two players are Lampard and Terry. At United, obviously, you know, we talk about him being injured and suspended, but Rio Ferdinand and Wayne Mooney are probably the two most important players when fully fit for United. And Dan Arsenal, Fletcher. And Dan Fletcher, British again, yeah. on Ryan Giggs, Paul Scott. You know, Arsenal have not got any players like that. All their English players or British players or relatively young and on the fringes of getting in the team. Whereas when it comes to their strongest starting eleven, there is not one player who's born and bred British. I just don't think that's right. And as much as I admire everything Arthur Wenger's done, I think he now needs to take a step back and look at the whole situation. Because I was thinking about this. This time last year, one player left a certain club to go back to Tottenham for quite a high price. For me... He would have been perfect at Arsenal. I'm talking about Jermaine Defoe. That is the sort of player that they're lacking. They're lacking someone who's got a bit of pedigree in front of goal and nine out of ten times will put the ball in the back of the net. Arsenal play the most sublime, attractive football. But let's be quite frank, they do miss a lot of chances in games. They miss more mm. chances than they score. Do you feel that ben Arsenal Wenger will ever change his philosophy? Because... Every year they seem to be, well, they're not falling just short. They're now falling heavily short. They're now, uh, in my opinion, they're completely out of the title race. Uh, obviously, if they can somehow manage to beat Chelsea this weekend, which we're going to talk about in a bit, that will change it. But I don't like saying this. I don't give them an absolute chance at Chelsea. I can't see them getting anything there because their record against United and Chelsea this year, their two biggest home games of the season, they've, but they've been completely outplayed and outclassed. Mm. I really, I really hope they can get a result against Chelsea. I think that's definitely going to be the harder out of the two. I thought, out of Manchester United and Chelsea, I thought they would win the Manchester United game. I didn't think they would win against Chelsea. So this is going to bring added pressure for all the players in the squad. They really know that they need to come up with the result and they need to come up with the goods. Um, you talk about a lack of a striker. Definitely, they do need a striker. It would be nice for them to have someone who, with a proven goal-scoring record, like Jermaine Defoe, he scored 20 this season now. Mm. So, you know, that's, that would be excellent. I think um, all, everybody just wants to see Arsenal with an English midfielder who goes around kicking everybody. Oh, I think that's yeah. Well, yeah, very well put. They, probably they, they want that. someone like, you know, like Darren Fletcher-esque, but it, like British or English or like Robbie Savage. Lee Catamore. Yeah, they want someone like that. No, definitely. And that's what they're sort of pining for. And they definitely need, like, obviously they got brought back Sol Campbell, which is a ridiculous decision. But at least there's young English players coming through. Like when they did play in the FA Cup, um, there were there was like six English players that were playing, and they were bringing them through. So at least they're trying to bring English. My players worry through. is though, obviously so we, we talk crossed. about Kieran Gibbs. Kieran Gibbs is nineteen twenty. He's a left back. Gal Clichy's probably only one or two years older than him. 
like Keon Gibbs can't wait till he's 34 to get a, a game, you know, a proper run in the team. Because when Gael Clichy is fit, he's the number one left back. You know, I'm not saying that Gael Clichy should be replaced by Kieran Gibbs, but there just seems to be a bit of arrogance when it comes to bringing English players into the club. Because I can't remember the last time I asked Wenger actually, I don't think he, that he last brought an established English player into the club. He's also signed Theo Walcott, um, Aaron Ramsey, but these were pretty. When we bought them, they weren't they weren't even established in their uh, first teams of their original club. So, even when you <laughs> talk about um, like the last time really bought an English player for a lot of money was Francis Jeffers, and that didn't work out. And it didn't work out big stuff. And um, also Richard Wright, mm. and that didn't work yeah, out either. Still, these are still young players. I'm talking about actually going out there and spending the money that he's spending on Andre Arsenal on a recognised. 25-year-old plus English player, like a Jermaine Defoe, like a Gareth Barry, where, you know, then players were available and, you know, if Arsene Wenger had maybe looked... He probably doesn't think that they are top four. They are not, because, let's face it, Jermaine Defoe is playing for Tottenham. They might spurs it up this season. They're doing well, but... And then you look at Gareth Barry. He made the switch and um, he went from Aston Villa, who can't break in to Man City who will probably find it hard to mm. break in as well they'll they find it extremely hard even but though. Arsenal aren't breaking into the top two which they they pine for that is, that is what every season they aim for they want to try and win the title but they're not getting anywhere near that top two United and Chelsea are just so far ahead of them but out of out of English best players who out of that whole let's like say England <laughs> first 11 you know who who can Arsenal possibly buy they can't buy Rooney no um, do they want Heskey? No. Okay. Um, can they get Steven Gerrard? No. Mm, I wouldn't say never, especially the way Liverpool. Well, with his affiliation with Liverpool, but I don't I, think I know, I know what you're saying, but English I just feel that, Ars- I think that Arsenal as a club may need to change their philosophy slightly if they really yeah. are serious about winning another Premiership title. But then they're a long way away from it right now. And then, like... You know, you look at, um, can they get Aaron Lennon? Or do you think he's even good enough to play for Arsenal? Oh, he's, absolutely. He's, he's quick. He's um, he's um, like unbelievable, but he's too close to what they have with Walcott. I think he's got more in products than Walcott. I, I mean, Aaron but he's probably walk, play, he's uh, played Aaron more, ga- he's played more walk, games. Aaron Lennon would walk into the Arsenal team. Uh, they haven't got a proper, proper wide player. Okay, well, so, if, even if he is good enough, will Tottenham sell Aaron Lennon to Arsenal? For the right fee, you can... Well, if, if the price is right. <laughs> I know anyway, Harry might do it, but let, uh, Tottenham in terms let's of Tottenham. Let's quickly talk about Manchester United. This was a great way to um, continue their recent good form after the uh, Carling Cup victory. Wayne Rooney was inspired. Um, and a great bit of skill from Nani to set up, to score the first goal. Yeah, that was unbelievable, that bit of skill. It was... Um, the Ronaldo chop that we keep teaching to our kids where he sort of pushed it with the outside of his right foot and then flicked it inside with the inside of his right foot um, where his right foot comes like across and behind his left standing foot. And it went like a sandwich two defenders. It was brilliant how he just um, completely split two defenders. And then that cross they put in just like got flapped by Armunia. It was claimed as an own goal for Armunia, but I think that should have been the nanny goal. To it was a very strong performance from United. And yeah, so Arsenal obviously take on Chelsea this weekend in probably 
an absolute must-win game for them if it they are to stay win. in any chance of winning the title. And Chelsea look good at the moment as well. So. Anyway, we're now going to turn our attention to Monday. Uh, Monday was the infamous transfer deadline day. This wasn't as active as many people anticipated, but we did have a few interesting moves. That all basically were loan deals. Like everything was loaned. There was no money. It shows that there's zero money in football. And right probably now. the biggest move of the day was Robbie Keane's loan move to Celtic. Nick, you're a Celtic fan. What are your thoughts on Robbie Keane coming to what he said is his dream club, which he seems to say about every club he signs for? <laughs> um, right, I think that um, Celtic are. Um, signing a player that's um, going to cost them a lot of money in the long run. Mm-hmm. Even though it's only a short-term, like six-month loan deal, um, reportedly he's going to be on 65 grand a week. That, for me, I think is a waste of money. He's showed in his debut that like he hasn't had much match practice and um, he missed a couple of chances. Three he could have scored. Um, I just think this is total... Like, it's a sign-in that's not going to benefit Celtic in the long run, and it's not really going to benefit much in the short term. We're 10 points behind Rangers. We're not going to catch up to them because the whole team cannot play together at the moment because Tony Mowbray has brought in um, he brought in seven players in the transfer window and he shipped... No, he, sorry, he brought in eight players in the transfer window and shipped out seven. That's a whole... Cra- that is like ch- football manager right there. Isn't it? And yeah. you can't mould that whole team together. It's like Man City, you can't mould them all together at once. And um, I just think there's really, an, like, it's not a sign that's going to benefit us in the future. He's just going to come for six months, get his paycheck, and then he's going to leave. Well, and if m- Tottenham really, really, really have top four aspirations, they would want to keep a quality player like him. They would. Yeah, they don't. Was so. it, is this more of a sign that will satisfy the fans? I'm sure Tony Mowbray is thinking about. I need to bring in a signing to maybe silence the critics slightly and I'm sure Robbie Keane will be well welcomed up there especially obviously with his uh, Irish connections. Yeah, no, I definitely think it is just a ploy to get more season tickets next year. Mm. Like, at least to show, like, look, we can buy players. Look at Rangers, they can't buy anybody. We can go out and get premiership stars like yeah. Robbie Keane. Uh, elsewhere, Benjani completed a loan move to Sunderland. This went through on Tuesday after apparently there were some technical problems with Sunderland's fax machine. Probably Steve Bruce put his face in the fax. He may have. <laughs> so um, it's all crumpled up. That's a pretty good signing for Sunderland, whether or not he actually breaks into that to- um, front two of, breaks it up, sorry, of Darren Bent and Kenwin Jones. We'll I think he see. will because Jones is reportedly distracted. So One move that did interest me, which you brought up earlier, was... Meadows loan move to West Ham where's he been the last few months um, well he's um, he's still on Middlesbrough's books mm-hmm. yeah he was loaned back to Egypt for okay. Zimelik then that's that team that um, Zaki played for okay. as well so Zaki's back as well he's yeah. signed for for Hull Hull yeah and he came on as a substitute the weekend yeah yeah no so um, yeah, so both of them have decided to come back to the Premier League on loan. But what's astonishing about this move is that um, David Gold has said that this is like the biggest move in like soccer history. Like, or David Sullivan, one of the two. That's because, a statement. Yeah, r- the reason being is because they were offering one player last week, last week um, £100,000 um, to Which a Which was week. Rep- reported to be Ruud van Nistelrooy. Yeah, and then they get Mido for <coughs> one grand a week. Now, £1,000 a week for a footballer, mm. that, that, 
I'm sure there's players like first team regulars at Crystal Palace are on way more than. Oh, that. Uh, oh I think our whole first team squad is. That's one of the one of the facts. Exactly. So for me to come to that to the Premier League to show that I really want to make a statement. I want to make a mark for myself because he said I don't want to just be one of them foreign flops. I think he will be a foreign flop again. But, you know, hopefully he's lost some weight and cut his hair. But you know. Now, that's a good sign for West Ham, and that will boost their um, strike in options. Uh, the biggest move of the day, or the bargain of the day, for me, was no doubt Wigan's signing of Victor Moses from Palace for £2.5 million. Um, I'm just going to go out there and say that anyone who's going to be playing Wigan from now to the end of the season, watch this kid play. He will be an absolute revelation in the Premiership. That's all I'm going to say on the run. And Wigan need to turn around their season, otherwise they are going to go down. Well, if he doesn't start this weekend and they start players like Jason Scotland, it'll be an absolute joke. The guy should be starting as their main striker and they've just got to give him the ball because he'll make stuff happen. Uh, the last interesting transfer that didn't take place but was rumoured to be about to be agreed was Milan uh, Jovanovic's pre-contract with Liverpool. Uh, he's a Serbian striker, very highly rated. He scored a lot of goals for his um, club, Standard Liège. But he apparently rejected a pre-contract with Liverpool and is now looking for a move to Spain. Is this a sign that players are not viewing a move to Liverpool now as a top move? I think the players aren't viewing a, like the move to the Premier League necessarily a top view, like a top move for them because of the tax issues with the footballers. Mm. I think that... Um, you know they're going to get more money out in Spain, but also I think the Liverpool they if they're trying to look for free transfers abroad, like pre-contract agreements, mm. like the guy can score goals, he's got a sweet left foot, and mm. um, but you know that just shows they're trying to go for players that in, for relatively cheap, and they're still not coming to Liverpool. So oh well. You know, um, that was it. On it up. There really wasn't much else on transfer deadline day. It was a pretty quiet transfer window. In general. Yeah, very quiet. Man City, I don't think, spent a penny. No, Celtic got a couple of players. Oh, in. no, Man City did spend some money. They signed, as we predicted last week, Adam Johnson from Middlesbrough. Good signing. Yeah, uh, Hopefully he gets signing. at least some sort of playing time. Young English player. He's actually, a lot of people are tipping him as the potential. If there is any wild card possibilities for the World Cup squad, people are saying Adam Johnson just because he's got a left foot. And if he does get a run on the city side, maybe Capello will take a look at him. I personally think Victor Moses should be the wild card, but again, I love Victor. So <laughs> but that's, no, that's, that's a great signing by Mancia. Hopefully they'll play him. He's different to Petrov. Oh, very different. So, and he's younger as well. So yeah, He's different side. to Bellamy as well. So some... Anyway, we're now going to turn our attention to the competition where the magic returns. <laughs> the FA Cup was back in fine form this week with three very entertaining and lively replays. The first one we're going to talk about took place at Ellenbow, where Spurs eventually beat Leeds by three goals to one. We had this game on. It was a very good game, actually. A lot of chances. I think Spurs did end up uh, dominating with the amount of chance they had. Jermaine Defoe got two. Uh, the no, he got tail. three. Got a hat-trick in the end in the last minute. Oh, Bentley got that goal. No, it was him. Oh, was it Defoe? Yeah, it was Bentley's cross for the second yes, goal right. that you were probably thinking of. Yeah. His laid back, slick hair. Yes, it was, you're right. But uh, he Defoe played well against the League One fullback. Yeah, um, he did. <laughs> like, oh, Jermaine Beckford, he, he impressed me again. He, he caused some problems. 
Yeah, Becchio looks a hard worker as well. He was mm, it'd be interesting. I think it's going to be very interesting now to see if a club does take a gamble on Jermaine Beckford in the summer. Because mm. he's still out of contract, he hasn't yet signed a new deal, and I'm sure he's now going to be getting his agent to tout him around and see what good deals he can get. Supposedly he's signed um, a pre-contract agreement with um, Everton. So. Is that the rumour? Yeah, but they've just um, got a two-year contract um, for Louis Saha mm. signed up and agreed. So, mm. um, I don't know, maybe they need an extra strike maybe. and maybe can play alongside him. Yeah. Uh, the biggest upset of the week took place at the DW Stadium, is yeah. that what they call it now? Wigan changed their stadium the name D-tip every few stadium. years. Notts County managed to get a 2-0 win at Wigan. Uh, superb result for Notts County. Yeah, definitely, especially as they need the money at the moment really badly mm. with um, all their financial difficulties this season with the new owners um, not actually having any money and, mm-hmm. you know... They're facing winding up orders from the H&M revenues, so it's good for them. I've heard that before. Okay, and the <laughs> other nice result of the week took place at Selhurst Park. Now, before we talk about Palace's victory against Wolves, I just want to talk a bit about Mick McCarthy. Um, Mick McCarthy took the piss a bit this week. He originally offered Palace £1 million for Victor Moses and Nathaniel Klein. We told him to go, him to go get stuffed. He then came back with an offer of 500000 for Nathaniel Klein, which did get accepted. But Nathaniel, being the loyal player and supporter of the club he is, he rejected the move and he stayed. Our administrator was a bit peed off because he was hoping that that would raise some funds. But Neil Warnock apparently told the administrator, don't worry, if we beat Wolves, that would bring in the amount of money that we would have got anyway. So, with Nathaniel Klein staying, it meant that he could start at right back <laughs> and our uh, first choice right back for the majority of the season, Danny Butterfield, could be released as a emergency centre forward. Danny Butterfield scored a hat-trick and Palace won 3-1. Um, we watched this game. It was, it, it was still one of the craziest games I've ever seen involving Palace just because... Very physical. It was a very physical game and... We, we're a physical team. Like, yeah. If anyone wants to give us a nickname, we should be known as the Meatheads. <laughs> we, we, like, we've got Kurt, Claude Davis, Clint Hill, Sean Derry, Matt Lawrence, um, Alan Lee. We're not the sort of team you want to go messing around with on a Friday night out on the town. You do have more meat than a sausage fest. We do. <laughs> and Danny Butterfield, playing as a forward, gave us the lead after Matt Lawrence's Superman-esque header, and he headed it home. He then got a second a few minutes later with a right-footed attempt, which went past Wayne Hennessy. And then he completed the perfect hat-trick with a beautiful left-footed finish. That nutmegged Wayne Six Hennessy. Six minutes and 48 seconds for a right-back playing up front. That's pretty impressive. To score a hat-trick in six minutes is ridiculous. Like, especially in this current mm. current modern era of like soccer. Like, the Wolves' defence... They must be hanging their houses in shame. Yeah, I have to admit, considering I, I've in the past been pretty um, encouraging towards my views of the Wolves this year, I thought they were absolutely terrible. Like, yeah, we, were, you've got to bear in mind, we are a team that literally is down to our bare bones. They they had absolutely nothing in that game. It was probably one of the worst teams I've, played this, I've seen Palace play against in many times. They were dreadful. And I'm annoyed with Mick McCarthy that keeps playing like Michael Mahansian in midfield. Mm. I don't know what he's doing. Wolves have obviously got one uh, priority this year, that's survival. The yeah, finish. they did rest a lot of players. But and they took Crystal Palace lightly. They did take it slightly, and I'm pretty... I'm it's kind of happy they did, but I still fancy us beating them with their full strength team because I think we looked up for it. And 
This now means that we advance to round five, and next Sunday, on Valentine's Day, we have a romantic encounter at home to Aston Villa. Um, this is a pretty big game for us. If we can manage to get a sellout crowd, which we're kind of hoping we will, and maybe causing the upset of the round, that would leave us one win away from a potential trip to Wembley for a semi-final. <coughs> so, oh, pardon you, Nick. Pardon me. He's got the coughs. Anyway, so Palace are through to the next round and we'll probably be talking more about the FA Cup next week as we uh, look forward to the fifth round. Can I just mention that um, Dave was hilarious when he was celebrating that third goal. Um, he was um, yelling like a hyena running around um, the famous underground bar in um, Hermosa Beach and um, there was only two people in there, myself and the bar lady, and this screaming yeti called Dave that was running around. <laughs> like, I'm surprised he didn't put his head over, um, his shirt over his head, like for a Brizio Ravinelli. That was what I was waiting for, but it didn't happen. No, I was wearing a hoodie, so I couldn't do it. <laughs> I was very, it was, it was superb. After everything that went on last week, obviously this weekend, before the game against Wolves, we bounced back with a superb 2-0 victory against Peterborough, which lifts us slightly away from the relegation zone. Four I points. I think we're four points off. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see what happens. It's going to be an interesting next few weeks, but definitely a more positive outlook as we go into the next few weeks. Anyway, we're going to turn our attention to the championship because the longest unbeaten run in the country came to an end at the weekend. Uh, Derby beat Nottingham Forest 1-0. Um, Billy, <laughs> Billy Davis claims he was kicked in the bum. <laughs> by Derby boss Nigel Clark which that's something that Brian would probably do it probably is yeah, yeah. Um, Nigel, Nigel you're making your dad proud mm, that was pretty funny so Forrest's unbeaten run is, uh, has come to an end Newcastle this evening absolutely demolished Cardiff by 5, five to one. 1 yeah um, so Love and Krantz getting 2 Carroll getting 2 yeah, and I think I'm in Newcastle are going to be they'll probably be promoted by oh, they easily will. They're six points ahead of um, West Brom and they just signed um, some players that's going to really just get them over the line and yeah. get them up. You've got Wayne Routledge who can play in the Premier Definitely. League. He's a good good young talent. They've got um, one size Fitz Hall. Got him on they loan. They Hall? Yeah, on loan from um, QPR. So Newcastle, again, the Palace Reserves. They're, they're going to get that too. And um, they also signed a um, young left back from Chelsea and Mike Williamson from Portsmouth. Mm. And Leon Best from Coventry. Oh, and Leon Best, which so, is, I, I've, you know, he's a good goal scorer. He used to play for Southampton. I mean, Newcastle so. are just trying to get themselves up, and then they'll review all their options come the summer. Yeah, um, not many of them are on perm, like this yeah. half on permanent, half on loan. Yeah. So. Other championship news. <clears throat> I think back in, I think September, October time, we talked about this when Peterborough decided to sack their manager back then, Darren Ferguson. <coughs> Pardon you. They, this weekend, after Peterborough lost to Palace, sacked Mark Cooper and have replaced him with Jim Gannon. Is that just making the decision to sack Darren Ferguson even more stupid? Um, yeah, I think that... Um, How many points have they got right now? Um, 18. They haven't exactly pushed forward since... They haven't exactly taken a step up to the next They only level. got one win in 13. Yeah, well... That's another managerial casualty, and Jim Gannon now has the, I think, the Mission Impossible job of trying to keep uh, Peterborough alive. In yeah, the no, I'm, I'm definitely disappointed that Mark Cooper's um, lost his job. Obviously, like mm. he had a hard job getting in there. It was basically like he was coming from the conference, jumping all the way to the championship. The chairman was like, "You've got to keep us in this league." Yeah, 
like you have to keep us in this league. Whereas Darren Ferguson, he just got promoted twice. He should have exactly kept the job anyway. A massive transfer budget to do it. I haven't no. seen them splashing the cash around. So all they do is they recruit players from the, the conference and like make sure that they can that see players who can hack it at that level. And obviously, it was one step too far for these players. I think it was. If they go down to League One, they'll rebuild and they'll go again. And yeah. that's what um, that's what Jim Gannon's trying to do. Mm. So anything else that we want to talk about in? Uh, England before we go over to Europe any other interesting things um, well except for um, just wanted to um, an in, like mention an interesting point um, they say that about um, Celtic and Rangers how um, their, t- their um, players um, you know can they really hack it in the English leagues can they really play well well, now um, we're going to find that out because Middlesbrough have um, Celtic reserves. They do. They've got four or five yeah. of them. They have, Plus the metal manager. <laughs> yeah, they, they do. They have like six of them now mm. with Scott McDonald signing for 3.5 million. Is that how much they paid for him? Yeah. Crikey. 3.5 million. For a proven goal scorer. Now that, that does piss me off. We've got 2.5 million pound Victor Moses, a young talent. I know McDonald scored a lot of goals, but let's McDonald bear in mind where he goals. does score them. Scotland isn't exactly like difficult to score. I think if you sent Matt Lawrence up there as a centre forward, he'd probably get 20. Butterfield probably would score. He probably would. (laughs) We're now going to look into Europe. Uh, Let's start off in La Liga. Uh, Real Madrid won 3-1 away at Deportivo. Uh, Me and Nick watched the highlights this morning because we especially wanted to see the incredible assist by Gucci for Benzema's second goal. Uh, Trying to explain... On the podcast, exactly what Gucci done. Okay, so um, basically, um, Kaka had the ball. They were on the break, and um, he got past the ball to the left hand side. And um, Kaka fed the ball inside. A beautiful pass to Gucci. Gucci was one on one with the goalkeeper, just shaping up to shoot. As he was shooting, he brought like used his left, like, his favoured left foot to backheel the ball as quickly. I've never seen it happen before. As quickly as possible into Benzema's path, where Benzema just slotted it home. Everybody fell for it. I meant everybody. The goalkeeper didn't have a clue what, what was happening. Every defender mm. like just stopped, didn't they? Good. It was unreal mm. the pace of the backheel, but the pace of the ball when he was about to try to backheel. Nobody would. Try I that. have seen a goal like that before. Where it was in the third Mighty Ducks movie. <laughs> Charlie was through. It was the last minute of the game or the last few seconds. He's through on goal. He then gets the goalkeeper and Goldberg, you know the fat goalie, yeah. he's now playing as like a stopper, the defensive player. He comes up the field and, or the, the rink, whatever you want to call it, Chai like <laughs> slaps it back, the goalie's on the floor and Goldberg pings it in the top oh. corner and, then, and the Ducks beat like, the, they were J, the JV team and they beat the varsity team in the college and that was like a big, big thing. So that reminded me of Miley Ducks. Um, <laughs> just a little story. Barcelona also won, they won 1-0 away at Sporting Gijon and they remained five points clear. We are going to go to Italy. Inter didn't play this weekend. I actually don't know why, but they didn't play. They remain eight points clear ahead of AC Milan and Roma, who are both on 41 points and fighting for second spot. Milan drew one all at Livorno. It looks like that uh, Milan derby defeat has knocked their spirits a bit because yeah. they were in good form leading Supposedly, um, Ronaldinho didn't even have a good game again. Yeah. Uh, Roma won 2-1 at home to Siena. Um, one thing that I did notice, I don't know if I've actually mentioned this in recent weeks, but when talking about the Bundesliga, I don't think I've mentioned that Bayer Leverkusen are still unbeaten <laughs> after 20 games. That is ridiculous. That is a very impressive stat. They're still top, but Bayern Munich are really on their trail, and they're only two points um, 
behind them. I wonder if they've lost in any com- cup competitions. They probably might have in Europe. I don't know. I'm sure they played in the Europa Cup League in some shape or form. Mm. So they may have lost in that, but still an incredible, in the league, definitely. incredible season so far for Bayer Leverkusen. They won 3-1 at home to Freiburg to continue their impressive one, win um, run. And Bayern Munich won 3-0 at home to Mans. Aaron Robben on the score sheet. Uh, Do you know that be it'll be interesting if like once a season instead of like we could like have the charity shield, but the winner of the Bundesliga could play the winner of the Premiership, and it could be like England versus Germany like every season. That would be pretty good. That would be quite cool. I think mean, they should make more of them as pre pre games before the season. Like they have a draw, like the winners of the French league play the winners of whatever. And they have like a draw just to make some interesting competitive games the week before the season starts. But yeah, that might be a good idea. Yeah, you know? I'm sure. I'm sure. And like I'm sure that the battle of like you know. You could call it like, I don't know, the World War Cup. <laughs> uh, and finally in France, if anyone cares, Bordeaux are still top. They did draw points as they drew 0-0 at home to the very low, lowly Bologna. I don't even know who they are. So. I thought they were an Italian club. So. I thought I was. I, I pronounced it wrong. It's not Bologna, it's Bologna or something like that. Bolognese. Bologna. Yeah. Um, Bolognese spaghetti. Uh, we are. That's it in Europe. That's about it. This weekend we are going to review two pretty big games. We've already mentioned one, slightly. A pretty big game at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea are playing Arsenal. Oh yeah. As we said, I think this is a must-win game for Arsenal if they want to stand any chance of um, staying in the title. Uh, race Nick where what are the important parts of this game will John Terry be able to put the recent events behind him and put in a strong performance uh, Didier Drogba is now back after his uh, time away at the African Nations Cup how do you see this game going um, I definitely think that Terry will put um, the past week's um, like uncertainty speculation all behind him mm-hmm. Um, he showed it against Burnley with that last, like, last, basically like last minute header. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he doesn't care. He just wants to get once he's on the soccer field. That's him. Yep. He is John Terry. So, um, four four applause to him for actually scoring that that goal for them because Burnley looked good. Um, and I think he'll do the same against Arsenal. And I think that Arsenal's weak link is um, Gail Clichy. Which you think it is Gail Clichy? Yeah, he's really been off form, and I think they're going to try and expose that. I don't know how, but if they do play Ivanovic, then they've got nothing really going forward on that right-hand side. They might bring in Joe Cole, mm-hmm. let him play, let him roam around, which might help. But because they played the diamond formation, they're not really going to get wide Well, Chelsea haven't got much whip, so... Unless, uh, unless if Drogba does start, or then um, Drogba likes to float out wide anyway. Mm. So he, he always floats off wide to the to the right and then Elko always goes to the left. Mm. So if Drogba is starting, then he I'm sure he will. He will go and expose the mm. link of Gael Clichy. Chelsea didn't obviously manage to beat Hull in midweek. That was a uh, 1-1 draw. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, this will be an interesting game. It'll be interesting to see how Arsenal bounce, bounce back after that pretty... Uh, awful performance at the weekend. I completely forgot that we watched that game. We did watch it. It wasn't that good. It, it was wasn't a that great game, game but game. actually, Hull done really well. Hull played very well. Yeah, and they really set this all out to defend. They went one nil up, and then obviously Jordan yeah, scored the free kick. But it's pretty even. There were some chances for both teams to win it. So, well, well done to Hull because normally I'm right on their back. So, 
And I think they're rubbish. So that's quite yeah, good for them. That's two draws in a row for them. That's not bad. Yeah, they've been picking up some good points. Um, that's why I saw Zaki come on as a substitute. Yeah. I knew I mentioned, saw him somewhere. Um, and then the other big game this weekend is the Merseyside derby where Liverpool take on Everton. Everton are... Flying. Apart from the FA Cup defeat to Birmingham, they're in pretty decent form. Very good, decent form. So, um, they won 1-0 against them, Wigan at the weekend as well, which helped them. But they've been on a great unbeaten run since Landon Donovan's got there. So. Landon's made a big uh, impact. So yeah, you know, he definitely It's been fantastic has. to see. It's been good. And he got his first goal. At, was it the weekend? Yeah, he got no. his first goal. No, that was the weekend before. Was it? Yeah. And that was the FA Cup, so he couldn't have been. He must have got it this weekend. Mm. I'm sure he got it this weekend. I'll check back in my programme notes. Check, but uh, it's, it's good to see obviously Land doing well and it's good for Everton. Uh, do you feel that they'll fancy their chances going to Anfield? Um, yeah, definitely. Especially with... Um, well, Torres is still out. He's not really playing. Especially just with the whole setup at Liverpool. Their side is really, really, really weak. Mm. You know, I really can't see them. I can't see them playing well. Obviously, they got um, their 2-0 win against Bolton, but that's Bolton. You know, Bolton still haven't set their standard out. And I know Dirk Coy will probably play well and Harry, the Everton back line, but I think Everton are going to get a win out of this one. I could see Everton winning this game, actually. Uh, that's the, Any other games this weekend that look interesting? Um, we have um, the Birmingham derby, um, Birmingham versus Wolves. And Birmingham are still unbeaten at home, Birmingham even though they got Wolves. beat away. So that Birmingham will beat Wolves. And obviously. we have Tottenham versus Aston Villa. So let's talk about predictions in a bit, because we're going to do that in a minute. So we'll go on to the weekend and our predictions. Uh, one part we are going to talk about now. Uh, we Yeah, see, Landon gets his first goal against Leaky Sunderland. Okay. So, yeah, okay, he scored against Sunderland. I knew it was the weekend before. Yeah. Programme yeah. notes are brilliant. Uh, me and Nick have started a challenge against each other, our football manager challenge. Uh, as we mentioned last week, Nick is currently Bradford, I am Barnet now. At the part when we spoke last week, we were both in our first season. How did you finish? Um, I finished um, in third position. So um, at being at League Two, I actually got promoted to League One. Mm-hmm. And I had a very busy summer with um, you know, bringing in some um, new players and you know, able to attract more high-caliber players and letting a lot go that actually won me the promotion. Mm. <laughs> what about you, Dave? Yeah, I'm Barnet. I missed out on the playoffs by a few points, which wasn't an underachievement considering I was predicted to be in a relegation battle. But I, I don't know. I'm not sure how this season will go. I've, bought it. I've changed the squad around. It's a younger squad. I've brought in a few good uh, young young players from um, the Premiership who were released by their clubs and got a few good loanies in. So I'll see. I'm not going to make a prediction. I made a bit of an iffy start, but I got a win in my last game before we... Uh, recorded the podcast so we'll see why I am this time last week but I'll be very happy with a top half finish and then hopefully I'll be able to get a job with another team because I don't think there's much chance of me taking Barnet in many places I think um, the key to the game is definitely loan signings like I got um, Barini in from Chelsea mm-hmm. and I was lacking goals mm-hmm. like I went through the spell where I didn't win a game in like 10 and yeah. um and I was flying high at the, in the top of the league. So I just think just the loan signings are really, really key on this game. If you can pick up some loanies for the Premier League mm-hmm. and players that the Premier League clubs release, yeah. you're going to stand a chance. So you always have to keep looking at them, the free transfer list. So. Exactly. So that is the Nick and Dave challenge. We'll keep you updated on that. Uh, final part of the show, we are going to... Put a quid on it. Put a quid on it. Love. Uh, the accumulator. Okay, firstly... What were the outcome 
from last weekend's predictions. Right, you'll be very pleased with last week. Um, as a total, um, me and Dave both got... S- well, together we got 7 out of 12 correct, which is probably one of our best weeks. So it's really good for us. And um, the ones that we got wrong were, um, you know, um, thinking that Arsenal will win and getting that completely wrong. Um, thinking that West Ham will win, but they drew with Blackburn just because Benny McCarthy wasn't signed in time, I think. Thinking that um, Liverpool would draw, but they actually won, surprisingly. And thinking that Everton and Wigan would draw, but Everton won. And also thinking that Sunderland might actually win a game against Stoke, but they didn't, they drew. So that's pretty good. That's um, a good good week for us, I think. Mm-hmm. So it shows that we actually know something about the game. Yeah. Uh, Do you what, want this week's? Yeah, let's go for this week's. What games okay. have we got? Let me go first. For what games have I got down? You have Bolton versus Fulham. Bolton home win. Hull versus Man City. Man City away win. Stoke versus Blackburn. Draw. Tottenham versus Aston Villa. Oh, that's a good game. Yeah, uh, I'll go for draw in that game. Chelsea versus Arsenal. Chelsea home win. And Scunthorpe versus Crystal Palace. Draw. I think you guys are still that, you know. I'll I think you'll be draw. on such a high. we got a big game on Tuesday against Swansea in the league at home, so that's winnable. I'll See, take a draw. No, no. Swansea isn't the winnable one. Not home it is. No one beats, normally teams beat us at Swansea. I know, but Swansea are in a great form this season. Especially with their owners, supposedly um, an American owner. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Liverpool versus Everton I have. I think it's going to be an away win. I just think Everton could do it this this time round. Um, Burnley versus West Ham. I'm also going to go for an away win again. I really think Bur- um, West Ham can beat Burnley, especially mm-hmm. with Mido. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, no, but I think Benny McCarthy will do well. And Manchester United versus Pompey. I'm going to say home win. Unfortunately, it looks like Pompey are really feeling it right now. I don't think they can even get enough subs, so that just shows. Um, Sunderland versus Wigan. I'm going to say a draw. Hopefully, Victor Moses starts and this gets something good for them. Birmingham versus Wolves. I'm going to go for a home win. And Dunfermline versus Celtic in the Cup. I'm going to say an away win. I think Celtic at least get past Dunfermline as soon as they're a league below us. Hmm. Anyway, guys, that is about it for this week. Um, If you do want to email email us, um, you can at footypod at gmail.com. We're also a Facebook group, which you can become a fan to if you want to. Uh, And that's about it. Uh, Are you looking forward to this weekend? Yeah, I definitely am looking forward to this weekend. Hopefully we can um, see some brilliant soccer. Hopefully, like last weekend, see yep. a couple of scrimmages where our kids are playing in. So, yep. should be good. On Sunday, it's the biggest sporting day in the American sporting calendar as the Super Bowl takes place. So, lots of drinking and just watching commercials and watching the Who at halftime, watching <laughs> my favourite person, Carrie Underwood, singing the national anthem, and then actually watching the actual sporting event itself, which doesn't actually get talked about that much. Um, nice. but we'll be back next week we'll be uh, talking about the weekend's premiership action and yeah and then we'll talk about the FA Cup because Palace is still in it I like it well we can't wait to watch that and just to end um, my um, cousin sent me an email this week um, saying that um, 
my cousin David Irons, if you're listening, hello. Um, he was saying how Celtic are playing appalling this season and um, that he wishes that he was supporting shit teams like Bradford and Crystal Palace. <laughs> he said, uh, hopefully, um, hopefully you guys enjoyed the podcast and I'll speak to you soon. So, um, Thanks. Yeah, he goes, I thought Dave would like that one. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we may be broke, but we're not shit. That's one thing. We're still <laughs> alive. Okay, guys, we'll see you next week. Enjoy your weekend. Bye. Bye.